Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham, and with me, it's just myself, man. This is a soapbox. It's been a while, so here it goes. Hardcore listeners know this from the very past. Uh, once in a while, I like to kind of have just a straight conversation with you guys. Uh, about a certain topic and in this case we're talking about management uh, I've been getting a lot of questions the last few years and actually pretty recently uh, where people are trying to move up right within the position they uh, within the company they have or at or they're trying to move up in uh, by moving other to other companies right uh, this is a very common question we have a lot of people in various positions out there in some form or another. Either you're trying to get in the industry uh, or you're trying to go from junior to mid-level, mid-level to senior, senior to principal, principal to lead, lead to art director, right? There's always an opportunity to hustle within the game industry. And every few years, uh, you're outgrowing the roles and responsibilities that you have as an artist, as a developer. And in this time where everybody is remote mostly or starting to get back into the office, it is actually even more confusing uh, because right now we're in more of a survivor mode, right? Most companies are just trying to stay afloat or they're recruiting a lot of people, uh, but not really. It really changes the dynamic. Uh, within the company where you're just talking face to face all the time on zoom um, and not in person right and being able to communicate is a big part of how you get a promotion nowadays uh, and even before uh, but even more now because you know the only times that you really interact with someone is through just these really short calls that you have with people right so sometimes that's not enough and what you want to do is that uh, create opportunities for yourself so that you can move up and have that motivation to contribute. So I guess I can start off with sharing experience, at least my personal experience, right? Uh, my first time in the industry, I kind of had uh, these little short stints of these not very fun games that I worked on. Uh, I think everybody is always uh, shy of sharing their first game that they worked on. I think I've shared many times on this podcast, but for those new listeners, uh, it's Hannah Montana DS, right? So when the DS was popular, when Hannah Montana was the shit, um, that was my first game that I worked on, and I only worked on it for a few months, right? My personal growth, I've always been through moving around so with what that means is that for every promotion that i've got for every um every time i moved up the ranks has always been switching companies now that is still very uh common 
uh, from everyone that I talk to, through people that I've seen, my colleagues, it is the most common route to up your salary real fast, but also move up in position uh, because you kind of avoid all the politics. Because inwardly, within the studio, it's very difficult to bypass uh, the line, uh, so to speak. Right? There's other people that have been there probably longer than you. And there's people that have been there shorter than you. And I've seen cases like that where there are people that have been at a company shorter and they've been able to be promoted um, either through over me or, or other people. Um, but the most common way that I've seen uh, people move up the ranks have always been migrating into a new place. And it's just easier because you don't have that baggage, right? You don't have that um, ill will from your colleagues. Like, why did he get promoted and not me, right? Uh, it's not usually towards you, but it can obviously rub off to you. It's towards management, towards leads, people who are making the decisions. However, it doesn't feel good to be around that, that negativity, that energy. The only times that I have is ever really seen people uh, get promoted through the ranks by being at a company for a long time is um, have been primarily initiation from that person where they feel that they deserve it. They feel like they, uh, they have the loudest voice to command it. And in, in a lot of cases, those are the people that get promoted because they speak up, right? And it should be that way. Some people might be out there thinking like, well, it should be the one who is the best at the job. And that's not true either. That has happened. But people who are really good at, let's say, environment work or character work don't necessarily make good managers. I would be willing to say that it's 60-40 where those people are terrible at delegation at being able to manage people uh, or being able to communicate what they do so well to others. And it takes a very special type of person to be willing, first of all. Uh, not all, not everybody wants to do that. But also be able to share information um, in a very effective way, right? So that's essentially what a manager is. Um because you're you're trying to multiply yourself, your your efficiency of the team, uh, and that's why it's a commodity. That's why when you're looking at studios being built from the ground up, uh, are are are, are kind of composed of these individuals that are are have been leads, right? Because you're able to maximize the efficiency. So one lead can. Uh, manage a group of five to ten or more and that 10x or 5x the output right which brings in 5x or 10x the money so that's why there's a lot of emphasis on management and developers in general i think if you're a true artist i think I, you know i was like this and i'm still like this because i think at this point I've been a manager longer than I've been an individual contributor, which is kind of crazy to think about. But I've been a manager uh, at various companies and now on my own uh, for longer than I have created assets or uh, put together environments, right? And that is kind of natural progression because as you're older, um, you need or you want you don't necessarily need you want uh, a higher salary you want more stability you want uh, a little bit more control uh, on, on your life right and that usually means you gotta move into management and um, the unfortunately thing and by design not everybody can be lead right at any given company for every lead there's 20 or 25 people under that person and uh, for each discipline right each department uh, if you're at a triple-a company right and that is normal that has to be the way uh, you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen I've been and seen studios that have five different leads for the same department and to me it's the dumbest thing because 
you know, you're really splitting the focus here. And uh, I think it's always sacrificing the creativity when someone does that, right? You can't be a lead and take ownership of something and it really complicates a singular ver uh, vision of a creative director or what the game is about if you have that many people uh, trying to make a call, right? And um, the hierarchy way have always been my preference because that's the point, right? You're trying to get your job done. You don't want to talk to five different people. So explaining the structure of a company and why it has to be that way uh, hopefully illustrates to a lot of you guys, and I know it's very popular, getting back to what I was saying, for a singular artist to remain a principal artist or an artist that just contributes individually and never wanting to step into uh, management uh, because the idea is that when you become management, you're, you're mostly in meetings and not producing work right and i think mm, nine out of ten people who wants to be lead f feels like they don't want to do that but nine out of ten people uh end up doing that because it is comfortable right to manage and make the call and uh the less time you spend doing your craft you know the less relevant you become and actually producing the work but what is timeless is the ability to delegate and kind of gather a team together to execute a, a certain goal, right? A certain project. So uh, I'm trying to explain to a lot of people here that are listening that if you want to move up in the industry, you're going to have to eventually look to take on some of those responsibilities of can you multiply yourself with another person? I mean, that's basically what management is. Because that is what is of value, right? Um, for growth, for a team to grow, uh, for a business to grow, um, you can't just have a, like 50 spearfishers, right? You're going to have to be able to have an actual fisherman boat and just scroll the earth uh, and, and go with the best techniques possible to maximize the same amount of time uh, and, and be able to produce way more work, right? So, I mean, I feel exactly the same way. That's why I can relate. As I was moving up in the industry, I was kind of in this position where uh, I didn't want to let go of the actual art because I feel like if you lose touch, that you're not relevant anymore. You, how can you lead a team when the team knows more than you do about the actual techniques of making art, right? It was only be until I became a lead or until I became senior or moving up um, that I realized that uh, what the timeless part of it is that being able to work with people, with communicating my ideas and being able to document my ideas so that a team can follow uh, and, and be able to work as a team, right? And that was pretty exciting to kind of be the organizer, uh, essentially. And um, and I think at the very beginning, it became more transitional, where I stepped into the role, I was doing a lot of the art, I was still hands-on with the day-to-day -day stuff. But uh, in addition to that, you're you're able to kind of, um, you know, craft what a lead is, right? You don't have to be in meetings all the time, which is a, a common misconception. And if I were to break down, and I'll, I'll use environment because that's more of my background, but in every department, it's kind of essentially the same, right? So from junior, well, the difference between a junior and mid-level is very clear. A junior is basically bright eye into the world, uh, fresh out of college, and maybe get are good at art, but in terms of procedure and process, being able to work as a team, completely new. This is largely uh, on not taught in schools, right? So, and I think it's still true to this day. 
uh, I'm pretty sure because the infrastructure of the company is just not simulated uh, that well in, in a school environment, right? So that's the first thing that you learn. You go in there and you learn about your assignment, but also the process of getting that in the engine uh, so that your team can be able to use that uh, efficiently without using thumb, uh, thumb drives or, or Google Drive or whatever, right? Uh, there's a whole process to that. So that's the junior. And once you get good at that, you're producing your work, you're efficient, people can rely on you, you move on to mid-level. Mid-level is like, hey, it's a step above the, the student. You've been doing this for a while. Uh, and so you're reliable in a way where um, you can be given a task, but you are still being uh, needing guidance on completing the test in some way, in some form, either compositionally or colors or uh, essentially someone needs to keep checking your work, right, uh, to get full approval, right? Once you pass that stage where you're super efficient, you know, you need little feedback, uh, if any, uh, you're in the more of the senior position. In the senior position are self-composed, being able to kind of take a task, take it to finish, uh, with very little feedback, and uh, you know, and in this range, you're you're in the, I would say, five to ten years range, right? So if you look at zero to two, three years, you're a junior; three to five years, you're mid-level; five to ten years, you're senior. Right? That's the kind of like hierarchy time frame of how you should shape your career. And from five to ten years senior uh you can and a lot of companies have like made up names for this it's either senior environments one senior environments two principal uh principal artists um it, it's just made up titles to justify your to respect your your years the years that you've been in the industry uh but also it's an excuse to give you a higher salary right because every two years you want a higher salary, and you should. Uh, the principal artist is, I, I remember the first time I was hearing this, and it was quite new, and it was pretty made up, and then soon it got adopted everywhere, is essentially lead status without management, right? So the best way to think about it is like, if you were a previous lead before, and you want to go back into production and not management, you would be a principal artist, right? You wouldn't be a senior artists anymore and again this is up to you guys to kind of um negotiate that and uh vice versa right um if you've been a senior artist for a long time let's say past 10 years i would say even 12 years you wouldn't want to be referred to as a senior anymore you're, you're way past that you're a principal artist right uh to justify your your salary at that point and uh, principal artists can be very helpful. And in, in, in a lot of cases, they can step in when a lead is out uh, because they have that experience, that ability. But also, uh, they don't have that uh, the need to manage all the time, right? They're very hands-on, and they are that they're valuable too. It's basically when you have a lead and a principal, you're basically having two very senior developers on at your department that gives you uh, peace of mind, if anything. Uh, all the principal artists that I've ever met have always had that, on average, like 15 to 20 years of experience that they can share with you. Uh, they've been around not just by the process, but, you know, company culture and all that stuff. So that that's kind of the lay of the land. And from lead, you can, uh, at first, I've always thought that only concept artists can be art directors, which isn't true. Uh, the last five, 10 years, I've seen animator, animation directors become art directors. I've seen environment art, uh, environment artists become art directors. Basically, every art discipline have been able to make that jump uh, to art director where they're very proficient, essentially. They're either, they're very proficient on one part of the pipeline but um, they know enough about the other departments that they can deliver a, ver uh, a vision and be able to command uh, what they need 
to get things done, right? So that has been a really interesting development because I thought at the beginning of my career, being an environment guy, that my highest track was lead environment artist, that there, there was nowhere else to go, right? And um, because of my lack of experience, that was my thought process because that's what I saw. And slowly, I think when I became uh, slowly into the senior role, mid-level of the senior role, five years in, three to five years in, I uh, begin seeing uh, environment leads making that jump to art director, as well as animation leads making that jump to art director, which i never seen before. So simple fact, um, I think Corey um, Balrog, uh, uh, I forgot his name, but the God of War director, right? Uh, creative director, not even art director, was he started in animation. Uh, he was just an animator and then eventually uh, moved up the ranks and took over God of War 2, right? Because the first God of War, the original creator, um, David Gaffey, I think. Uh, I, I think you guys know who I'm talking about. Um, left and he moved up the ranks from, from the animation department, right? So this has kind of been brewing up in the 2000s, I feel, where uh, every art track can lead to art director and even above that creative director right so i've seen that last five years um no 10 years actually where uh you can be at the very top if you want to and you can show that you can do that but going back to like all right how exactly do i move up the ranks because it's not as easy as like, oh, I hit my three-year mark. Now I should be considered a mid as a mid-level, right? Because most companies refrain from promoting you as much and as long as possible. Most companies do because financially it's uh, beneficial to a company to do that. They can't be giving out raises every year. Um, they have to, but if they can avoid it, uh, they will because it saves their bottom line, right? And um, running a business myself, I understand that sentiment, but I'm kind of going the opposite route uh, with my company because we want to reward and create incentives because I've been in that position. And I think uh, if individuals want to grow, grow into these responsibilities that the company needs, it's beneficial to the company because that means they can uh, make more money at the end, right? So I, because I think Companies like mine that are smaller can be more altruistic uh, with what we want and treating our guys right, that we're more flexible to kind of make those changes. But when, if I maximize that to a large corporation or even just a large company, like 300 plus people, not even like active in a corporation, uh, that can be a problem because... Uh, there's just not enough people to make those decisions on a day-to-day basis, right? I, I really do feel like there's always a threshold to how many people uh, a person can manage, right? When you, if you think about hierarchy and think about your department at the company you're at and look at that single lead, it's one person. How many people can you manage if you're that person, right? Realistically, it's probably like, on average, probably two people, right? And maybe you can stretch to the three. But when you go past three, it starts to get kind of um, difficult, I think. Uh, because I, I've been in those positions where, yeah, uh, the team's growing. And I'm your, your whole time is basically slated towards feedback and, uh, and meetings, right? And that's the, I think, number one fear for a lot of people who want to stop at just like principal or senior artists they don't want to move the lead because they see their leads in meetings all the time and it's not fun and they seem stressed but i think because uh it's an understaffing problem right where that lead shouldn't be managing that many people at once um so and what that also means is that this you're not hiring enough seniors where they don't need to be handheld the whole time right you need to 
this is what the advantages of like hiring experienced developers because they can lead themselves and only need to be checked in once in a while to make sure that it's in sync with everybody else right uh, and it's the same problem that we see i guess in schools nowadays I, I know some of you guys might not have children but let me explain to you what the school system you might have heard it are, are overloaded right you're talking about a teacher uh having to manage 30 kids right and naturally when you think back right these students have a better chance in attention if there were only like 10 to 15 kids half it right the same is true with any hierarchy setup like your game company uh if your lead is constantly stressed and in meetings and having to communicate with everyone to make sure uh everyone's caught up there's a couple of things that you gotta look at either that person's not efficient with their communication which is i think probably most of the case but secondly uh just naturally it's just too many people right I really do feel like per person, you can probably only can take on two to three people to be healthy and also be able to kind of do the art yourself um, is another way of thinking about it. Any more than that, through my personal experience and through seeing how other people uh, handle it, uh, they... And, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of leads and managers that I feel do like that challenge of just being in meetings all the time and, and, and delegating. It's admirable. It's probably, I would say, a very effective way of growing a company. But there are those that I've seen balance between the two because um, very quickly, how can you be a leader if you're not motivated, right? And as an artist, you got in the industry to make art. And if you're not making art anymore, something that I'm starting to feel, uh, you're not motivated to inspire, right? It starts with the, 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 the lead to kind of push that forward. And I keep saying lead because it's relatable. It's the end road for a lot of these career developments, right? If you guys are just in the industry, middle mid-level or senior right you're all you're all looking at least towards lead level salary right so i'm kind of using the lead a lot as in this example because it is kind of like the main goal for a lot of people right and what that looks like i wanted to illustrate that there's different ways of doing that so you don't go into the company and they might have like a rule book of like, oh, this is what we define lead as. But when you become lead, I think a lot of people have a misconception about, all right, so this is a role that I need to kind of gel in. Otherwise, I'm not being efficient at job. No, you kind of set those rules yourself. So you go in and you get hired or whatever. Uh, it doesn't mean that you stuck in meetings all the time, right? You can define that uh, yourself and tell people like, hey, let me run my department. This is how I've done it. Uh, and this is how everyone's happy, right? You get to have a say in that, uh, obviously, because you are running the department. Uh, and so if you want to uh, remain motivated and not give up the artistic side of you and just do management, you can dictate that and make that change because I think that's important. So kind of going back to my little personal stories, like... This is the longest, um, longest time that I haven't touched art in my career. Um, we're talking about four years, uh, four or five years where I formed my own studio um, and made uh, Godemics, right? And because of what it needs, being a co-founder, there's a lot of things that you have to develop uh, to make sure that the company runs smoothly. All right, and that means offloading a lot of the stuff that I love doing day to day. But because of the growth, uh, you have to kind of put aside those things and focus on new skills. So to circle back, and even then, before then, I was a lead for like four or five years before that, right? Or even six years. And 
as you can see, there was a progression to me, like letting go of the art stuff slowly but surely, right? But what I find myself is, you know, I'm an artist at heart. I got an industry to make art or at least inspire and give ideas, not to like um, only inspire others for their own idea because, you know, that's what you need to do as a manager. But, you know, to implement my own ideas too because when you're starting new projects, that's where it starts with the individual. And I want to still be at the forefront. So I don't want to just inspire someone to do that for me. I want to be able to do it myself. So I'm at a place where I spent a long time away from art, which is the number one fear that you guys are thinking is like, oh, so the higher I go up, the less I do art. Because as you manage people, people are is your art now. It's not the artwork itself, right? Is another way to think about it. But because I did all these things, because my ambitions have always been higher than it's weird, right? People have different reasons why they want to move up the ranks. Mine has always been my immaturity. Even when I began, I've always had problems listening to others uh, where I feel like, I guess, I know better. Uh, and in truth, in my beginning career, I don't. But I always had this rebellious attitude. I don't know where it's from. Uh, maybe I was just a bad kid growing up where I have a hard time following rules right so I, I think i mentioned this many times on the podcast where i'm completely cool to complete tasks and i'm very respectable right obviously you have more experience than me i'll listen to you but you got to talk to me as an equal which is a very hard pill to swallow for a lot of people out there on the opposite side because who's this kid i'm fresh out of college and i'm telling you that we should be equal uh, I think, I guess, uh, I don't know what it is, man. The minority in me, I don't know what it is. But, like, uh, I've always felt that, you know, we're a team here. Maybe this is, I, I think, if anything, it's probably the sports side of me. Growing up with sports, the success that I've seen working as a team has always been because everyone respects each other and everyone respects everybody's role to complete the objective, right? So I came into the industry thinking the same way. It's like, hey, we're here to make a game. I'm here to assist and specialize in a certain area, but your goal and my goal is the same. Therefore, talk to me like we're trying to achieve that goal, but don't just hand down tasks to me as if I'm uh, you know, a cog in the machine in that uh, whether I do it or not doesn't matter. Someone else is lining up to do it instead of me if I don't do it right i hate that feeling where i'm wasting time i guess essentially it's like if what i'm doing and contributing doesn't matter right then in my mind i'm checked out right so i have to feel that what i'm doing is contributing to the greater goal but also it is important where i'm the only one that can do it right um and that's a very hard way to think about it because, you know, I tell you guys all the time, the number one reason I, the, my, not my first burnout, but where I felt like, oh, I needed to change course in my career, which is the beginning of this podcast, uh, the creation of this podcast, I say five years, it's actually been seven years since we started this podcast. And that moment was based off a moment where I didn't like the fact that I'm making a Call of Duty and it's coming out. Like I realized that this this Call of Duty game comes out every year and whether I'm here or not, it's coming out, right? I finally, I hit that realization near the end cycle of that game, Advanced Warfare, where I, as a senior environment artist, that um, I wasn't being challenged and... Uh, what I was doing basically didn't matter because anybody else could have done it, right? And it got former Lake. Not the game itself. I still think that game was awesome for what it was. But because my task got former Lake where anybody could have stepped in my shoes and, and completed the game and that game would have shipped anyways, right? So I was looking for a bigger purpose. I didn't want to be an individual contributor to someone else's idea anymore. Uh, and that's where the shift and the frustration kind of charged me up to like, all right, this whole time I've been trying to move up the ranks, which I did. 
And in that moment, um, out of everybody, I think I made at least my the graduation class that I graduated. I, I was able to move up the ranks and get senior uh, with a pretty good salary uh, within five years, right? Which uh, is not that common. Uh, and I was proud of that moment because of a lot of things. There's a lot of factors that motivated me to move up the ranks. Um, money was one, but like uh, because of my life situation, this is where settling down, getting married early, and having kids really pushes you to kind of reach higher for for career goals. Um, and I have a lot of single friends, obviously, that don't have that push, and they're very comfortable. They're very comfortable where you're at. But the thing is, they didn't have the same drive, which is everyone each their own, right? You don't have to always drive to to make you feel better as long as you're happy with what you're doing. But because of that, I was able to kind of move pretty fast in my career because I had that push. I had a family support, uh, but also my ambitions were always and have always been high. And um, if anything, the family and marriage have taught me how time is so valuable, right? Which is, I think underneath it all is my main motivation is like if i'm going to put time into something i need like the maximize amount because i'm competing with individuals that are single individuals that don't have a family to support they're just themselves and uh they have infinite amount of time uh to dedicate towards their craft and so uh the little time that i do have outside of family and being married and shit uh I have to make sure that it is not going to waste, right? Which is and always have been my, my motivation to move up that rank. And um, which is a good note for you guys, you know, why you guys want to be promoted. Why do you want to move on to the next stage? Is it the specific job um, that appeals to you, right? I know for me, environment wise, to kind of, and this is relatable to every department. Right, because it's kind of diced up this way. When you start an environment, you don't start making levels. You start by making props. Uh, and even when you start doing props, you're doing low-level props versus hero assets. And slowly you move up to hero assets. And when you do hero assets, uh, you can start piling it up together and start uh, contributing to a level. You get a little corner of the map. And then eventually having the whole map to yourself. And that's the senior role, right? So that that has always been appealing. I want to be able to be a part of these discussions. I want to be able to brainstorm and come up with uh, ideas for this level. And then and that ambition grew because oh, I just don't want to contribute to one level. I want to be able to have a say in, in the overall game because, you know, there's only so much control you have over just a level. And then, you know, that led to management. That led to um, that moment where I felt I need to change that direction because, which can be a dangerous thing, right? I, I I do want to at least footnote that as well, where uh, you're never going to be at peace with yourself unless you define what you want to do, because it's a never-ending ladder uh, climb uh, career-wise, right? Like, when are you really satisfied? You know, I moved up the ranks. Now I'm running a studio. I'm happy, but there are things here that I, you know, as a developer i'm trying to do which is make my own game right and we're finally at that place where like super awesome we can start doing this but look at that long list of uh of 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 uh of my career we're talking about over uh 15 years now uh from the very beginning we're to finally to the point where like oh i can make my own game now um that is a long track and why it's important to define it before you go on this track is that you avoid a lot of burnout. Uh, I think there's a few points in my career where I was lost, where I was just not, I was just looking at the next thing and wasn't looking at 10 steps ahead, right? Uh, and that is a huge uh, noob mistake. And the number one thing that I learned from that is that I wasted a lot of time, right? Where I, I'm at these companies where I feel like I'm wasting time and, and, I have a lot of bad energy, right? Because of the politics or whatever, right? I feel like I'm wasting my time. And it, it affects everybody. It affects home life. You know, I'm the number one person where I bring work home, obviously, right? I'm working from home now, which is even worse. But like I, at a certain point where 
I was able to control that, right? And what changed that for me was being able to change my mindset from looking at the next step of what I want to do to looking at the next 10 steps of what I wanted to do. Because now the little stuff, the day-to-day stuff that bothers you in the office or someone being promoted over you or or uh, someone's being favored or someone's trying to stab your back and being shitty uh, about it uh, doesn't bother you as much, right? Uh, because it, it doesn't really matter uh, because it doesn't affect your overall goal. Right? If your overall goal is to move up the ladder and stay at the company forever, yeah, then it affects you because someone in that company is being asked to you and it's preventing you from achieving that, right? But if your number one goal isn't about that company, it is about something else, you know, your side hustle or whatever the case, then uh, you, you just end up being that pleasant guy uh, in the office. And funny enough, that's when things get easier now now promotions are being thrown at you or or people are trying to recruit you because you're known as like this positive energy guy where nothing bothers you and you get your shit done efficiently and you're never complaining about it um that bad energy is completely lost and the main thing is that you resolved it within yourself right there was nothing outside influence wise that was affecting you and your goals because you know who you want to be and you know how to get there you define that and your career itself just simply played out uh, to the point where you're not um, uh, held up uh, hostage to other people's ambitions or goals uh, to wherever you're at, right? Um, So Winston is kind of making comment here. Uh, Let me read that out loud. Maybe I can respond to you guys while I do this. The thing is, it's no longer you feel creative or have creative input or an outlet you're just finishing and repeating the task that's ordered. As a programmer, a lot of tasks are relatively basic, but you can still feel creative in the way you handle the problem. If you're being micromanaged or in a rut, that creative outlet is gone. Yeah. Like I said, like we're in this because we are creatives. And uh, if you're starting to feel like things are repeating itself, or more importantly, even above that, that your contributions don't matter, that I think is the number one uh, cause for burnout, right? Um, we're not in a regular pharmaceutical company where, or in an assembly line of sorts where you can get by with day to day minute tasks. I mean, you can, but what I'm saying is that, uh, like a drug, right? That uh, we, we like feeding. Uh, if we have an idea and able to execute it and see it and uh, run in real time and everyone else is enjoying it, that's that's our thrill as a creative, right? So the number one fear of moving up the ranks is that you're, uh, after senior especially when you become a lead, is that that thrill and being able to feed into that adrenaline is completely gone uh, because now you're, you're more about maintaining and inspiring others to have that thrill for you on your behalf, right? And I think uh, relatively that that's a correct assessment, right? I was just telling you guys earlier, it, you know, as a lead, you do have to take on management. You do have to deal with people more. Obviously, you have to. But it's about effectiveness, right? Um, can you... If your greater goal is to own a part of this game where you feel like I can take this game, you know, environment, programming, whatever, animation, like I'm the only one on this team can take this game to the direction, to what the creative vision is. I'm the one that can do that. And the thing is, I can't do it by myself. I can't sit eight hours a day in the office and just figure this out myself, right? At least with the deadline. But what I can do is I, I know how to delegate. I know exactly what we need to do. And I know the team that can get me there, right? I love my team and I'm the best person for this job, right? So it, it, you're contributing and you're making a difference in a different way, right? Less hands-on, but more about like, you know, 5Xing your output. So that that's the, I think if you don't have that mindset 
as you're kind of moving into a more manager role, then um, either you're, in a lot of cases, when I talk to people about it, they they don't see it as that, right? That they don't, they didn't hit that switch yet, right? They really do feel like, oh, this is when creativity starts, right? Uh, or, I mean, stops is when I start managing people. That's where it stops. It's gone, right? The whole time I'm just like checking in with people, right? And those are the worst leads. Uh, I'm <laughs> speaking from experience, but I'm sure you guys can relate. Those are the worst leads where uh, they are doing it and clocking and clocking out. They're going in meetings, getting out of meetings, and they don't really have any uh, any ownership over the game. They're all about that salary and they don't really care uh, about what you have to say right so to me that's not what a lead is that's just like in any position a bad lead right the the best leads i've always had or anybody in upper management i've always had are, are there is like it's all about like hey man I'm, we're here to make this beautiful game together uh, i can help you there you can help me let's do this right and those are people who are very communicative. They're very good at expressing their ideas. They're very good at listening to your ideas. And and while you sit back at your uh, desk to kind of do what you need to do, I'm moving that message forward for you on your behalf, and uh, basically, you know, spreading the information and, and working that out in the background. Right. That that to me is a good lead, and uh, we need more people like that. Right. And unfortunately in studios it's the less creative people that move to the top and um because they spend their time being political and stuff and they're very good at talking and uh the people who likes creating the and, and making the contributions just want to be left alone and being quiet but you can see that, that how that can be an issue right if you want the success of the game to be awesome we need more creative people to move to the top uh but you know you look at these studios a lot of these studios are kind of being formed by producers right i don't hate producers i love producers the good ones but you know i want contributors to be equally as a co-founder as well uh because you need both you can't do one without the other right uh, i'm just seeing too many producers forming these studios kind of dictating a lot of what we should be doing as creatives and um and creatives kind of uh wilting and and hiding behind uh these these uh these areas and and not being able to share their their story or information and wanting to communicate right overall i think that's why a lot of studios fail it's just the 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 money incentive or the business side of things kind of overruled the creativity of it and how creativity should be um, spread out evenly to be successful, right? We're just getting a lot of suits uh, making, a lot of people making schedules <laughs> and, and not talking about the soul of the game, right? This has been a problem forever, as far as I can remember. Uh, where we're people who talk the most get these in these higher positions and then call in the shots and the studios either in trouble or, or eventually shut down right this is the most common way i think in the playstation 3 era where a lot of these AAA studios just started crumbling and you can go back six years in the podcast and you hear me talking about it all the time that was the trend you know all of us studios were dying right and uh, it wasn't until smaller teams, and I contributed to a lot of the smaller teams, um, uh, where the mobile market, I felt, and maybe in the future this will be studied and explored more, uh, were, were saving the industry single-handedly. These smaller teams, indie teams, you remember the Steam Greenlight, right? These innovative ideas, like creatives, again, took over the mantle and created uh, excitement again and uh really turn things around right uh, i'm beginning to feel though that we're going back into that old cycle uh cycle where these uh developers or these game studios are, are are kind of falling apart again 
uh, because uh, the the business people or the schedule people are are kind of calling the shots, right? <clears throat> uh, I do feel like it, it feels very similar to the PlayStation Three because I'm seeing a lot of these studios pop up now <clears throat> everywhere, right? Uh, there's a lot of interest and in, in investment either in the metaverse or new studios or or, or uh, blockchain or whatever. Right, these are the three main areas that I see a lot of interest going in, and uh, I, I unfortunately feel that it's not for the right reason. Right, it's not because there's such a great idea that hasn't been made. Therefore, this this studio, it's more people trying to, you know, uh, grab some easy cash, right? And it's a dilemma man i really do feel a dilemma like uh the more creative we get the best creatives that i've met don't want to do anything with management <laughs> they hate it because they were so exposed to bad management i mean i i really do feel that has been the main issue is like they've been exposed to such terrible uh, experiences of people telling them what to do and and um, it, it not working out where they're like, I don't want to repeat that. I don't want to be a part of that. Just leave me in my corner and I'll figure things out. Where the opposite response would be the most appropriate. is like, oh, this is all shit. Therefore, I'm the only one that can fix this, right? So we need some hero developers out there. Um, so aside from moving up the ranks, wanting more responsibilities towards the things that you want to do, I advise everybody to kind of what helped me Long past, I wish someone sat me down and told me this. Um, you know, what is your end goal, right? Uh, and it could be piecemeal, right? I didn't figure it out until a little way, basically through trial of fire. Um, I was only looking two years ahead sometimes uh, in most of my career until recently where I was like, all right, 10 years down the line, do you really see yourself being 45 to 50, just making props, right? Uh, no, uh, life changes really quickly. And, uh, the thing is, I, I don't think, um, when we go to colleges or we even take these online courses for games, no one talks about career development, right? Which is a very common uh, course you would take in, in any regular curriculum to think ahead, to outline your life, basically. Uh, because I, at a certain point in my career, I was looking around, I was like, I don't really see, and I, t I talk about this many times in the past podcasts, I don't really see a lot of 65-year-olds hanging about, right? Uh, it being a new industry, yes, but um, you know, our industry is so new where it is worrisome that like, it's not just new it's, it's tech driven, right? It's your skill set correlates to, uh, just like anything, but I think more so in the game industry, it correlates directly to how much time you spend towards your craft, right? You're only as good as your investment in your craft and that becomes less and less true as life moves on right past 30 you're looking towards other things than work like having being married having kids and that whole life that you're never going to be able to compete with uh newcomers with that ambition uh so you're you have to be able to be making a decision and define what that role looks like and still be a huge contributor. People who are worried about like, yeah, I'm not going to be as fast, right? As uh, someone new out of college, I'm not going to be as good even as someone new out of college. Uh, some of these college kids are, are awesome as they should be as the way you want it. But what you can give back and what you should look towards to uh, maximizing your uh, potential is being able to manage those people through experience and guiding the the youngins uh, to avoid mistakes that you've made 
right? Not just career, not just making profs. Think larger than that. It's like, hey, practices, burnout, work-life balance. Uh, the average career in the game industry, I think, has lengthened. I think when I was going in, when I was in college, my professor was telling me, hey, it's pretty much five years, and then you're burnt out. And it gets tougher after that to find a job. I think uh, since then that has improved because our, our industry has have grown, have matured. Uh, we're not just talking about making console games anymore. There's mobile, there's enterprise, there's Facebook, there's Google. So because of that, our uh, the longevity of a game dev career, thankfully, is not shortened. Uh, that that we are seeing people starting to retire as a game developer right that's an awesome achievement what i think we're struggling with now is the natural evolution of all right now we're established industry we don't have to worry about that it's not going to die out it's continuing it's growing and in a lot of cases uh surpassing the movie industry or other entertainment industry uh if anything these tech companies are looking at the game industry as the future with vr and the metaverse three uh web 3.0 or whatever right so we got from the back seat of uh nerd uh nerddom right we were we were like in terms of the technical uh stratosphere of uh of importance you know games were always like kind of play thing game developers were kind of like contributing to like little kid toys uh, even lower than kid toys, right? It's just a pastime. But now we're, we leapfrogged everybody as being the most important um, technology for real-time simulation, right? Uh, either through movies with virtual production, enterprise in terms of practical usage, VR, AR, uh, military, everybody is using it. And then the metaverse, the future, we're like right at the forefront. So amazing opportunities. Uh, so... Even if I stop by right now and look at my career, what I did like five, ten years ago of uh, where I want to go, you know, if I'm a prop artist, right, or a junior character artist or whatever, you need to start looking beyond just moving up with your company. You guys have so much more opportunity now where you're able to easily meet those salary requirements that you need as you grow older and have that security that you want. But the main thing and a luxurious thing that you're considering now is like overall happiness. It's like, am I going to be happy doing everyday things like props or am I going to be happy contributing to something larger and be effective by managing 10 people to do what I used to do, right? And, and guiding a team to achieving a greater goal than just a singular contribution to the game, right? That is awesome. Um, and... It's hopefully giving you guys a better framework of what moving up the management can look like because, you know, we think the number one innovator in the world is Elon Musk. And rightfully, he's, at least on paper, the richest man on, on earth, right, from time to time. I think he switches places with Jeff Bezos. But uh, he's able to run three to four companies at the same time because he delegates and manages well. And when he wants, he gets hands-on. Uh, but he knows he's the most effective because he's able to delegate, right? If he's in there prototyping every device, every car, every rocket himself, and then handing that off, you know, it'll be a, a hundred times or even a thousand times longer uh, than, you know, getting the right people, working with the right people, right? So my personal career and what i'm realizing is i like working with people on a project right so just think of it in lines of an indie project you know do you like working on solo right solo developers are very popular nowadays it's like everything done by me zero to hero right um that is not me all right and i think defining that for yourself first will really help guide your uh, focus in your career all the way from junior to senior to principal to lead. I really do think so. And I hope, I wish I had known that 
because that would have helped me because then I would have been more about um, uh, socializing, you know, uh, keeping no, I did this subconsciously, but I would have been more determined and conscious about uh, the people I like working with and the goals that I'm trying to achieve. So uh, be less combative, right? I wasn't really that combative, but I can definitely, I could have definitely been less combative. Um, and, and, and just spending that time at work, just uh, not just uh, secretly holding on to my personal goals, but sharing that with others and seeing how they react to it. Because maybe later down the line, you can regroup, which is funny enough how I started my own studio. I, I, I um, worked with the guy uh, for a long time at one of my other companies. Uh, and uh, we were kept in contact, even though we didn't work with each other anymore and eventually form a studio together, right? If I had known that back then, I would have, my focus would have been, I would have been, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at now, but I would have gone a lot further, to be honest, if I had known that from the start, right? We're talking about 10 years ago, if I had known what I know now. So hopefully what I'm sharing now is kind of painting a picture for you guys to think at least beyond two to three years, right? Think 10 years. Right. And when you think 10 years, it's like, why can't I do that in the next six months? You know, why am I wasting my time? Uh, and what is preventing me from achieving those 10 year goals? Right. It, it really is as simple as that, because it really aligns everything that you're trying to do to a very effective output. And at the end, time is short, man. We spent two years with the pandemic uh, in, inside a house and dude. You know, uh, I feel like uh, that was stolen from us, right? That's two years of delay there. And uh, in, in ways that we're, we're trying to make it up with remote working and all, uh, hopefully uh, you guys are using this time effectively being at home because I do feel that that is starting to be taken from us. There's a lot of people and companies that I'm hearing it now that are being forced back in the office, right? Um, and I do feel uh, because of that there's gonna a lot there's gonna be a lot more uh, depression developed from suddenly needing being home and available to your family or whatever and all of a sudden being back in the office uh, and and your time taking from you right um, so use the time that you got now to kind of project where you want to go and if you can't get promoted within your studio, which is, again, I want to explain to you guys, that's the hardest way of getting promoted uh, to move into the position that you want. It's just the hardest. It, it, you're competing with colleagues that's been there longer. You're competing with young talent that just got in, right? And you're in a line that, you know, everybody uh, essentially wants that position, right? You're competing for that position. And, yeah, may the best man win, but, you know, best in what regard? Is he just a, or he or she just a favorite, right? Uh, and not necessarily on skill. It's just a lot of stuff that you have no control. The only control that you have, and I've seen many times, to get promoted, to move in a better position, is go to the company that is looking that for that position and see how your resume stacks up to the qualification. It's the fastest, quickest way to get your salary, get promoted, and get to your goal, right? Don't waste your time. If you are asking for it uh, at your company, it's it's going to be the same answer. Was, right, well, we'll look at it in six months. We'll look at it a year because fiscally, that fits within their company promotion structure. They can't give promotions every month, right? They have a determined time in the six-month mark. January, July, whatever, uh, November, December, whatever, right? That they can hand out promotions that they can uh, give you more money, basically, right? Other companies are more sporadic, right? They just formed a company and need people now. Can you fill in that position? That happens more frequently. Therefore, you have a better chance of getting promotion. And yeah, you are in a way competing still, but at least... You know, you're competing with no bias. 
uh, essentially, right? You're talking to people that never talked to you or other candidates uh, unless they're referred. But in most cases, you're 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 being judged fairly, uh, which I feel impedes a lot of in-studio promotion, right? There's always biases. So you, there's too many things stacked against you. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think I've always appreciated every promotion I've had. Uh, I've enjoyed it more and more because the responsibilities is what I always seeked uh, personally, right? I know a lot of people uh, are not looking for that, but uh, enjoy it while you can. A lot of those people that I talk to who are very comfortable are mostly single, right? Uh, they don't need, have a need uh, for, for any upgrade, uh, which is cool. You know, keep that going as far as you can. But at some point, you're going to have to be pushed. And uh, it's good because you do learn a lot more being able to uh, move up in management and actually learn what's going on uh, with the studio. You don't want to be blindly coming in, coming out all the time. It's always best to see if the closer you are to the heads of the studio in terms of positioning, the better you are in positioning yourself in your career uh, to avoid unexpected. Right? So I think that's a good way to kind of end it. Uh, that's me in a soapbox. I always doubt that I can talk for an hour, but there we go. I talked for an hour, and that's why it's called the soapbox. For all you guys that join me live, thank you. Uh, Winston, thanks for chatting with me. Yes, it's a good take. Uh, I'm trying to do all these episodes live uh, going forward, even though if they're like not being officially released on the podcast for weeks on end, right? But I love the participation. I love talking to you guys directly as much as I can. You know, I'm trying to change it as much as I can without um, with, uh, with just putting out the podcast and not hearing from you guys, right? I want to hear from you guys as much as possible. This topic in particular was being asked a lot in the last couple months um and uh i felt like oh, it's a good time to kind of talk about this because we're facing this all the time uh personally and, and just curiosity so i am out go get your money guys and see you guys next week <laughs>